Well, praise the Lord. Good to see you all in the house of the Lord today. Welcome back, Rick. God bless you. Uh, welcome back those that have been away or traveling. We welcome you back today. God is good. God is a good God. Our God is a good God. He's a faithful God. Uh, if you came in a little bit later, at 10 o'clock, we shared a scripture from Zephaniah that the Lord rejoices over us. He even sings over us. And there's such a special dynamic when we're singing to him and he's singing back to us. All to say our God is a God of emotion, passion, concern. He loves us. He loves to hear our voices. And today was a wonderful time of worship. So praise God for that. Well, if you have your Bible or your Bible app, does anyone know where we're going today? <laughs> Somebody said Philippians 4. That's great. You're right on target. It's Philippians chapter 4. And uh, we're continuing in our, our study, our preaching of the book of Philippians. But we're also continuing specifically the message of last week because we never finished it. Uh, so the name of the sermon uh, today is At What Price Peace? So just naming this part two. So I'm going to read Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, and then we'll get into this. So finally, brethren, oh, let's stand together. I listened to the message last week, and the first thing I said was, oh, we forgot to stand. Let's stand together. So Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Dear Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for last week's message, Lord. We pray your blessing on this week's message. We pray, Lord, that uh, your Holy Spirit would enlighten us, teach us what we need to know. And uh, Lord, help us to stay focused and to pay attention and to learn and to, uh, to apply these principles in our lives as we recognize the great price that was paid that we might have peace with you. So, Lord, let me preach it the way you want. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Bless those on live stream today as well. And uh, we pray, Lord, in the process of proclaiming the word of God, you'll be exalted. You will be exalted and pleased. And your people, the people that hear this message, whether here or, or on live stream or later on the, on the video of it, let, let the people of God be, uh, be edified and encouraged through it. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So for the last several weeks, we've been uh, in chapter 4. Uh, the first message was about, they're all about peace, by the way. Chapter 4 is about peace. But verses 1, 2, and 3, the name of that sermon was uh, Peace in the Church. You know, our, our sermons are on our Facebook page and our YouTube page. And every now and then I go back and see how many people viewed them. That message got the most views out of all of them for some reason. Peace in the church. So I think that's a good thing. The next one was verses 4 through 7, which was called Lasting Peace. That was pretty popular too. And then last week and this week, the message is called At What Price Peace. And these should be popular. These should be well received because it's really about what God is doing in his church today and as well as back then. But last week, as we got into this particular topic, uh, we, we saw an interesting dynamic at work between the believer and the Lord. And we said that is because we have a relationship. We have a living relationship. It's not just, not like we have a religion. We certainly don't have a dead religion. We have a living relationship with a living God. We have a living faith. Now, as such, we have a certain dynamic with the Lord, our God. We commune with him. He communes with us. There's a lot of give and take. There's a lot of complementary thoughts and action between us and the Lord. 
It's not like we have a dead, stoic faith. We have a living faith. And uh, every day, there's opportunities to draw closer to our Lord and our Savior. For instance, in Romans chapter 6, we won't go there, but Romans 6 verse 11, it says, Consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Some translations say, reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. He's alive, we're alive in him, and as such, we have a relationship with God. This is great news, church, that we can have a living relationship with a living God that loves us. He loves us right where we are. He loves us enough to not leave us where we are, but to take us closer to himself. Can I get an amen right there? That was good. That was good. Amen. So because of all this, we have, and I I shared this last week, but we have these various scriptures. I'll just give you a taste of them. I, I shared it last week, but because we're saved now, the word of God tells us, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Because we all have a relationship with God, and guess what? We have a relationship with each other as well. So some people might say, well, I'm saved now. I don't need the fellowship anymore. No, wrong. Now that you're saved, you need to be in fellowship with one another. Now that we're saved, uh, the Word of God says, pray without ceasing. Someone might say, well, I'm saved. I'm good now. I don't really need to pray all the time. That's just the opposite of what the Word says. The Word says, pray without ceasing. Why? Because we have a relationship. The Word says, uh, uh, in 2 Timothy, it says, now that we're saved, to study the Word of God, to show yourself approved by God as a worker that rightly divides the Word of truth. You mean, I'm not all set just because I got saved? No, well, you're saved, but now that you're saved, study the Word of God. Thus, Sunday morning, Bible study on your own, etc., etc. Then we looked at 2 Peter, and uh, this was a real mind blower in a sense, but Peter says, you know, God has given us all these wonderful things in salvation, all this knowledge and this relationship with God, and we have access to all these miracles and so forth, but he says, add to your faith. And right there we're saying, what do you mean? Faith isn't enough? Well, faith is enough to save you. It's the beginning, but he says, add to your faith virtue, And add to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. And so, um, and he says to do that, this was the clincher. So that your lives won't be barren or unfruitful. You ever feel like maybe you're just spinning your wheels and not getting any place in your walk with God or in in whatever ministry you might have? Maybe it's because we haven't added to our faith these qualities that Peter so strongly says we should add to our, our condition so that we won't be fruitful or we won't be unfruitful. We won't be barren. So. For instance, last couple of weeks, if you look at verse number 7, Philippians 4, 7, it seems like everybody knows this one verse. The God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. And a lot of people know that verse, and it's true. But in the context of what he's saying, you have to go back to chapter 4, verse number, verse number uh, four, 4, Philippians 4, 4. And this is what we preached on a few weeks ago. But in order to get to verse number 7, are you with me, everybody? In order to live in verse number 7, there's verses 4, 5, and 6 that have to be addressed as well. So verse number 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So have a joyful heart with God. That will lead you to peace that surpasses all understanding. Then he says in verse number 5, Let your gentleness be be made known. In other words, be Christ-like. That will lend yourself to going along and sensing the peace of God. Then it says, like out of the blue, the Lord is at hand. So be ready for the rapture. Live in that element of it could be today Jesus might come. In verse number, verse number six, don't be anxious, but pray. And bring supplications, like specific prayers for certain things. Bring them before the Lord in that context. Of verses 4, 5, and 6. Verse number 7 smacks you right between the eyes. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind. Hallelujah. 
Why? Why is it like that? Because we have a relationship with God. So, I said this last week. Yes, peace is granted in salvation. But for many Christians, for these Philippians, I think it was hidden. They had some issues. It was hidden. They couldn't enjoy the peace of God. So Paul is saying all these things. Peter said all those things. Last week, as we got into uh, verses 8 and 9, we talked about the word meditate on these things. Um, these eight topics in verse number 8. And then in verse number 9, to do these things that Paul said that you learned from me, that you received from me, that you heard, that you saw in me. Do these things. And so then in that context, you have verse number 7 and verse number 9. Then the peace of God will be so obvious to you. You'll be rejoicing in everything that you do and wherever you may go. So we're going to, I want to take a little a minute here to review verse number 8. And verse number nine, just a little bit. I'm not, not going to take long on it. But then I want to preach on at what price peace. Are you with me? Yeah. I want to preach on that topic. That's a great topic. At what price peace. So verse number eight, just you, if you were here last week, you, you heard all this. I just want to bring it out because, like I said last week, I, don't heard it, I never heard anyone preach on verse number eight before. But he says, whatever things are, whatever these things are, he says, meditate on these things. So incorporate these things into your mind and into your practice. But whatever things are true, meaning uh, factual, real, honest, based on Jesus Christ and the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever things are noble, honorable, respectful, venerable, whatever things are like have a noble, like good quality to them. Think, meditate on those things. Whatever things are just, whatever things are morally right, meditate on those things. Whatever things are pure, holy, um, unstained, unpolluted, pure. Uh, and, and as I'm saying these things, note in my mind, I, I'm saying, okay, I need to eliminate most news, <laughs> most worldliness, all the entertainment business, I need to eliminate a lot of things because in order to get these things in my mind, I've got to empty my mind of a whole lot of garbage that's in there. So as, as I'm going through, I'm thinking, man, these are great qualities, but they're almost unnatural to the, to the natural man to, to go that way. It seems like we have a tendency to go the other way, gravitate towards the unholy, but no, he's saying, no, think differently now. So whatever things are lovely, uh, whatever things are rooted in love and affection, whatever things are of good report. And by the way, these things eliminate things like gossip and slander and saying mean things to get under somebody's skin and bother people. You know, they, they eliminate a lot of stuff we deal with that we don't need to deal with if we were in the spirit man instead of the flesh man. Whatever things are of uh, good report, positive, regarded well, not off-putting to people. Whatever things are virtuous, moral excellence. Um, I, would, I would just put a little footnote here. You know what? Uh, a, lot of, a lot of joking around is off-color. See, whatever things are of virtue and good report, it kind of eliminates off-color humor. There's a, enough good humor without being off-color. And I love to laugh as much as anybody. I really love these Christian uh, comedians that are out there. Uh, they are really, really funny, and they're clean, praise God. But whatever things are praiseworthy, you know, worthy of praise that lift up Jesus, meditate on these things. All those things you just saw on the slide, if you go to our website, all, the, all these slides are on our website. If you navigate uh, website through media, you'll find all these slides if you want to go back and look at them. So meditate on these things. In verse number 9, he, he says so clearly, the things that you learned and received, you know, by let my letters or my writings or things that you heard from other people from me or things that you uh, heard and saw in me that, you know, personally do these things. If you do all of that, the peace of God will be with you. 
And so you see what I'm saying? There's a process to get all we can get out of our relationship with the Lord. The process is submission. Now, I never knew that when I first came to the Lord. I was in desperation mode. Just save me and help me. Just want to make it, you know, just want to live and get on with my life. But as I grew in my faith, I realized a lot of what happens now depends on how I live and what I do with my faith. The Lord says to each one, there's been given a measure of faith, right in uh, Romans 6. So we all have a measure of faith. Everybody alive has a measure of faith. They can get saved. Everyone can get saved. There's a measure of faith. And along with that, with that measure of faith, we can either, you know, enhance it, build on it, uh, grow with it, or leave it right there tucked away. That's why so many Christians that we know have never progressed in life. Oh, I'm saved, but, well, I don't know. I don't want to go there, but I don't know. The Word of God says you got to go deeper. I'm not saying you won't be saved at the end, but what kind of life will you be living? So, Let's go into this, uh, let me go into a little bit of preaching mode a little bit here. At what price, peace? I want to give you three aspects of this topic. At what price, peace? And the first one, we went there last week, but I want to go again. Romans 5, verse 1. Everyone turn there if you can. Take your Bible and go there. Romans 5, verse 1. You have to see this. Because what Paul is saying in, in Philippians 4 is based on the fact that these Philippian Christians have already received Christ. They're Christians. So the real source of peace is not what they... Uh, some people may try to do what he's saying without making their peace with God in the first place. Can I tell you something? That will not work. It may work for a little while because you might be a better person for a little while. But we're talking about lasting change and growth. The first thing, at what price peace is the cross. The cr it all starts at the cross. Romans 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, through his word, through his grace. We have peace with God, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. It all begins at the cross. So if you meet somebody or you're going through a tough time and you're thinking, what did, what did Pastor Rick say about peace? Oh, it all begins at the cross. Let me get back to basics. And let me get down on my knees before God and repent of my sins and start all over again if I have to. But let me get back to that very beginning point. Let me give you a couple of scriptures to think about. Isaiah 9, 6. Great Christmas passage. Unto us a child is born. A, a child is given. A, a, son, a, a son is born. But Isaiah it continues, his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Cannot the Prince of Peace give us peace? Yes. In the context, what, what he's saying here, and going on to Ephesians 2.14, uh, we have peace with God because he's forgiven us of sin. We now have access to the very throne of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. We're no longer in conflict, no longer feeling guilty and full of shame and worry. Our sins are cleansed and forgiven. We're accepted by God. The Prince of Peace has received us. Ephesians 2.14 says, He is our peace who has broken down every wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, has made the two into one new creation. Colossians 1.20 says, he, the Lord Jesus has made peace through the blood of his cross. See, the cross is where Jesus gave his life as a ransom. It's a money term. Like if you heard the news, if someone gets kidnapped, there's a ransom for their safe return. Someone's got to pay money to get their person back. Well, that's what Jesus did on the cross when he said in Greek, tetelestai, it is finished. It's paid in full. That means it was paid for 100%. Your sins have been covered. You're paid for. You're off the hook. You're off the hook. 
And so he, he breaks the yoke of sin and bondage and rebellion. The cross is the place where Jesus got the victory. And Satan thought that he had the victory. Little did he know. Because Jesus' death brought about Jesus' resurrection three days later. And the resurrection kind of ratified the death to make it valuable and good. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, if Christ is not resurrected from the dead, we're still in our sins. And verse 20 says, but now he has been resurrected and has become the first fruits of those who have died. Because Jesus resurrected, it validates the cross and we have newness of life. Romans 6 We've been crucified with Christ. We're baptized in water, signifying, demonstrating what happened. We died. And our new nature has come alive in Christ. So at what price peace? The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if that's not enough, it's the promise repeatedly throughout the New Testament, especially that he's coming back again for his church. There is power in the living Savior that we serve. At what price peace? Man, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the promise of his second coming. He is alive today. Amen. And because he's alive today, we have peace with God. Amen and amen. You could take that to the bank, church, right there. You could take that anywhere in the world and proclaim what I just said. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus that promises our peace with God. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, Jesus. So I, I know, I mean, I, I realize there are people in your lives right now that will tell you you're full of baloney. That guy's full of baloney for telling you that. No, I'm not full of baloney. I'm full of the spirit of God. This is what the Word of God says. That's why the Word of God says we're opposed to the world. We're opposite of the world. We, we, we run a different path than the world. Now, some of us try to keep the old path with a new heart. It doesn't work. That's why Jesus said you can't put new wine in an old wineskin. You're going to get a new wineskin to put that new wine in so it'll expand and grow together. You put new wine in an old wineskin, that old wineskin cracks and breaks and spills out. But, but he said that for a new believer, not, not the, the Pharisees and the Old, the Old Testament people, but new believers in his day had to have a new heart and a new outlook. Receive the grace of God with a new thing in your heart and grow with the grace of God. Amen. But then it goes deeper. And this is what we're, we're saying here, that, that although the cross brings us peace, it really, really does. And I said many times, man, when I accepted the Lord, if I died that day, I would have died and gone to heaven. All this struggle would have been over. But lo and behold, I'm still here. And you're still here. So once we receive Christ, we've got to live our faith out. You know, this is on a personal note. You know our story, me and Pamela. When, uh, when we accepted the Lord, we were living, well, where were we? we were living in New York, but we accepted the Lord in North Carolina. We moved down to North Carolina, and we were there for five years living there. Went back to college. I never wanted to come back to New York. You know why? I was afraid I couldn't live my life in front of the environment where I, I was raised. I was afraid to come home. But Stacy was born, and Pam said, we got to go home. <laughs> I said, I don't want to go home. She said, we got to go home. I said, yeah, you're right. But, I, but when we got back to New York, I'm telling you, something broke in my heart. I realized it, it didn't matter where I was. I could serve Jesus anywhere. I didn't need to be afraid of going home. It was all in my mind. Which brings me to point number two. At what price peace? Number two is this, new thoughts. Really? Well, isn't that what Paul's saying? Isn't that what Peter's saying? I mean, you might be saved, but... Look at verses 8 and 9. It's all about your thoughts. Verses 4 through 7. It's all about how you process, how you live your life. Rejoice. Listen, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Can I tell you right now, that's a decision you're going to have to make. You know, God's not going to make you. It's a decision we all have to make. 
We all have to make a decision to be Christ-like, to, to be thinking about the rapture. We have to make a decision to be praying. It's all in our head what we do. Look at verses 1, 2, and 3. Philippians 1, 2, and 3. We won't go there, but there was an issue between two ladies in the church. Help them get along. They're valuable, good people. But help them to get along. They're not thinking right. They're not doing right. Just help them. So I, I want to share this. Can, can a person receive Christ as Savior repent of their sins, and remain the same. My contention is, no, you can't. If you really receive Christ, if you really repent of your sins, you will not be the same. I wanted to take a minute to tell you my story, if I can. Could I take maybe two or three minutes? I first heard the gospel when I was in eighth grade. Some of you heard this already. I, I, thought, it, I thought I put it in chronological order. In eighth grade, going to Catholic school, Sister Tariq, it was, it, was it was a first Friday mass. We had every first Friday of the month, we all went to mass. Boys on one side, girls on the other. And sister, it's time for communion. You know, in the Catholic Church, you receive communion to receive Christ. Sister Tariq whispers in my ear with my friend Keith, you boys don't have to go up there to receive Christ like that. You, you can receive Jesus right here by asking him into your heart. We said, really? Wow, Okay. I received Jesus that day, but I didn't change a thing. I, there was no follow-up. I didn't know what was going on, but I said the prayer. Then about five or six years later, I was now in college, and I was either freshman, let's see, I was a freshman or a sophomore, and somehow or another, I got invited to a Bible study in some guy's dorm room, and I went, and I received Jesus in that dormitory. But there, I don't even know what happened to those. I never saw those guys again. They kind of disappeared. I never, I never grew. I never had any follow-up. Nothing happened. And guess what? I didn't change. A few years after that, I, was now, I had now dropped out of college. And I moved uh, to New York. I moved out of my family's home. Listen, to, I, I shared this, but listen. I, I moved out of my family's home. I'm living about five miles away with a bunch of crazy people. <laughs> And, and I'm doing my thing. You know, one day I decided to come home to get something to eat, see what was going on in my father's mother's house. As I'm there, the phone rings. And I said, well, I'm going to answer the phone. No one was home. I got the phone. You'll never guess who it was. It was my friend Lenny. I hadn't talked to him in two or three years from college days. He said, Rick, come on up to Lake George, New York. I'm with the Sammy Hall singers. I don't know who the Sammy Hall singers are. So I'm the bass player for Sammy Hall. Come on up to Lake George tomorrow if you can. I want to talk to you. I said, all right, Lenny, I'll, I'll, I'll get up there. Next day, I went up to Lake George. Probably about a four-hour ride. I don't know, it was far. And that day, in, in the trailer of their band, Sammy Hall Singers, I said the sinner's prayer and received the Lord yet again. And I, I came back home, and I was living in a bad situation, and that feeling I had lasted about a week. But I didn't really change, and there was no follow-up. There was no change in my heart. Then about a few years later, uh, I had a desire to go back to North Carolina, visit some old friends of mine. I look up my friend Lenny. Lenny says, hey, Rick, uh, I'm in a new band. I'm in my own band now called Shekinah. Why don't you come here as minister at this church tonight? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I, I go to this thing, you know. And there's Lenny playing his bass, singing about Jesus. And at the end of the thing, they give an altar call. And I stand up. I walk into the room over there and fill out a visitor card. And I accepted Jesus again. <laughs> and uh, the funny thing was, about two weeks later, uh, I got a phone call. And this guy says, hey, I'm looking for Rick Amendola. I said, I'm Rick Amendola. He goes, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing good. Who's this? He goes, I'm so-and-so from the church down in North Carolina. It struck me as being very peculiar that he called me up. What he was doing was following up. I didn't know he was following up. I didn't know. I just didn't get it. He said, well, are you going to church anywhere? He goes, no. And I said, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. I'm good. But thanks for calling. I'll see you later. And by the way, the whole time, my life is going like, like down, like with stuff, you know, problems and issues. So finally, one day, I meet a young lady in a, uh, a club, <laughs> a club. I was, a, I was in a band that played in the club. And this young lady comes walking in the club and 
She's wearing a black hat and black blouse and black pants and black boots. I said to my friends, hey, I got to get to know that girl. And I got to know that girl. And we hit it off that night. And uh, we saw each other again about two weeks later at a party. Somebody's had a house party. And from that day till this day, we have not been separated the whole time. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Pamela, for loving me. And, and so, then, so then she had these encounters with God. She saw Nikki Cruz. She went to some born-again church somewhere in Harrison, New York. And we started talking about God and this and that and this and that. And things were happening. And that, and that year, the, the Jesus of Nazareth movie was on TV. Remember in those days they had a series of movies. Like every night you had to go home and watch the movie. Like Roots was like that and this was like that. Well, right after that, we decided to take a trip to North Carolina to visit my old friend Lenny. Go to Nags Head, go to the beach, and I, I told you this story. At that point, Lenny said to me, Rick, man, you gotta get right with God. <laughs> with all his drama. And I said, yeah, Lenny, how do you do that? You know, like I'm kicking around the cross for a number of years now, I'm not getting it. And so we talked for like two or three hours that night. I, we, Pam and I both received Jesus, and right then, Everything changed. There was follow-up. There was commitment. There was determination. I realized in my life, the way I was thinking was not the right way. Some people, takes, it takes time. It took me about five, six years to get it through my thick head that my way was not the right way. But God is patient. He's so patient. And so, so then, you know, we accepted the Lord and we grew in our faith. We got married and the rest is history. But I, I think of scriptures like Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's like me saying, yeah, lady, how do you do that? Well, get into the word of God. Get into fellowship. Get into times of worshiping God. I can't tell you, those first years of my life, we were in a little tiny church, maybe 30 people in North Carolina. Those worship services blew me away. I had, I had more counseling from the Holy Spirit than years of secular counseling. At the altar, worshiping God. Uh, there was something happened in me by worshiping God. And if you're, if you're ever wondering, that's why one of the reasons why we worship every Sunday morning. It's important to worship God. In that atmosphere, people are healed and delivered and some are even saved during those times. Philippians 2.12 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why do you work it out? You pray, you talk to people, you, you read good books about the Word of God, how you could change, how you could grow as a person. So, so for me, my faith was no longer a hobby. Now some people, faith is like a hobby. Yeah, you take it out and play with it a little while, then you put it back on the shelf. No, for me, my faith became a day-to-day -day way of life. Everything changed. And if you're wondering if this lasts, if this means anything to you, this is 46 years into this for me. It works. I'm living testimony. Nobody's perfect here, but it works. If you, if you surrender to God, it works. Let me, uh, let me give you something to think about. You know who Mark Twain is, right? Great American author. This is what Mark Twain said. What a wee little part of a person's life are his acts and his words. His real life is led in his head and is known to none but himself. All day long, the mill of his brain is grinding. You get it? And his thoughts, not the other things, are his history. Isn't that deep? Our thoughts are so deep, deeply embedded. Jonathan Edwards, the great evangelist, said, The ideas and images in men's minds are the invisible powers that constantly govern them. Isn't it true? The Word of God says... In Proverbs 23, verse 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So if we want to really enjoy the peace of God, we got to change the way we think. We have to think godly thoughts. We have to compare and bounce out the way we used to think to what the word of God says that we should think. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says the word of God works effectively in those who believe. 
And I think the opposite is, that, is, is true as well. The Word of God won't work unless you believe. I mean, it might do something, but I, I have experience in that. I told you this a long time ago. When I was in college, it was a church-affiliated college. And part of the requirements was to take a Bible class. I'm a freshman in college, 18 years old. <laughs> I knew everything back in those days. They didn't know a thing. And they're telling me I had to read the Bible. I said, yeah, all right, I'll read the Bible. I did try to read the Bible. I read the first five books of the Old Testament. I got zero out of it. And I tried. Nothing made any sense. After I got saved and I read it, I said, oh my goodness, that's in there. Because I believe now. I mean, it may have had something, it may have affected me in some way. I don't know. But when you believe the Word of God, the Word of God changes you. Hebrews 4.12, this one, you've got to take this one to the bank. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That means you read the Word of God, your mind begins to think, oh my goodness, where am I with God? Where am I with myself? Where, where am I in life? But let, let the Word of God you know, cut you, discern you, change you. But we need to get new thoughts. If we want the peace of God, we're going to have to start thinking the way the Word of God is presented to us. At what price? Peace? Yeah, the cross. And now I've got to adjust my thinking to the Word of God. The last thing is this. At what price? Peace is absolutely obedience. We can't expect to live the old life and stay in sin and sense and feel and enjoy God's presence and God's peace. In fact, if that's the case, we'll probably feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We used to call it the Holy Ghost blues, if you know what I mean. You feel convicted. You can't enjoy the sin because you know it's wrong, but you feel torn because you want to do the sin, but you can't really get into it because you know it's not right. And the Holy Ghost is on you saying, get out of that. Get back to the, your life with God. So rebellion and disobedience does not equal God's peace, but confession and obedience brings about God's peace in our lives. Remember the old Nike commercial, just do it? That's what Paul says in Philippians 4, 9. He says, just do the things. Do the things that, uh, that you learned and received and heard and saw in me. So I, I would put it this way. Have you learned anything lately? You know, have you learned? You should be learning something. You know, you could learn from me. Hopefully you learn something from these messages, you know. But, but not only from me. But there's so many sermons and teachings and books and things in the world. You could learn a whole lot if you want to. You know, do it. Have you received anything? Like a lot, a lot of times I'll, I'm reading something, like a new revelation. Man, Lord, I received that. Have, I, have you received anything? Maybe you're receiving something right now. You know what? L apply it to your lives. This is good for us. Have you heard, Paul says, whatever you heard from me. Well, you heard a lot of stuff from me over the years, but I wonder if you heard anything that's of value that will make your Christian life better. I told you this a long time ago. Our goal is to all of us get to the finish line and go over into glory for all of eternity. That's the goal. And have you seen anything? Paul says, whatever you saw in me, you know, imitate me, he said. You'll learn from our example. Obedience to the word. Let's take your Bible. Go with me to James. I'm going to wrap this up in a minute. But James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 22 and 25. James 1, 22. It says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And verse 25 says, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's the word of God, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. You know, people, you know, talk about obedience like it's a bad word. <laughs> obedience is a good word. 
Obedience is something we should all aspire to, to please God. And when we please God, we benefit. As in Psalm 1, we shared this on Wednesday night, but Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Doesn't walk with the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the path of sinners. He doesn't run with rebellious, you know, obstinate people. He doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law. He meditates on the word of God day and night. He's like, he's like a, his life is like a, a tree planted by the rivers of water that will bear fruit in its season. And whatever he does, he will prosper. Can you see the correlation between obedience and blessing? You know, now let me say, you may be obedient and not get a blessing right now. You, you may think that you need the blessing right now, but God knows what's best. He may hold back for that blessing, but he's storing up. You'll be blessed soon enough. Just hang on and keep being obedient. I think for some of us, we feel, we, we see that God is testing us. God is kind of trying us to see what we're going to do with the situation. Well, you may be obedient over here, but when you get over here, you're not being obedient. So the Lord will wait on the blessing. But he'll, he'll see you through. And when it's time, he'll bring that blessing to you. So obedience brings God's favor. It brings God's blessing I, I can tell you, I know that to be so true. You know, I think of things that I've gone through in my life where, um, you know, like, like right now, I, I feel pretty confident in speaking in front of you. I do. I feel good. Although I get a little nervous sometimes still. <laughs> but when I first started preaching, I, I couldn't stand myself. <laughs> it was terrible. I, I felt so intimidated. Even now, if I have to meet somebody like I think that's really important, like the mayor or somebody, I get something like, oh, I don't know. But if I know I've been living right and being obedient to God, he is so faithful to bless those times every single time. He, he shows me time and time again, it's not you anyway, stop worrying about it. <laughs> you know, you're never going to be good enough anyway, so just be yourself and I, I'm going to bless you and take care of you. But just live obedient, live an obedient life. I'm telling you, there's something very real about that whole principle. God is here to bless and take care of us. He's waiting for us to get on track. He's not going to deviate. <laughs> you know, he's not going to come down to our level and, 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 and go our sinful way. No, he's going to wait for us to go his way and get on his path, that narrow path. Remember, the road to destruction is humongous, but the road to everlasting life is skinny. It's narrow. That's the road he wants us on. Okay. One last thing about obedience. For the most part, it's personal. No one's ever going to know, well, unless it's something obvious, but I mean, basically, these personal things that we do or don't do is between us and God. But you can't fool God. He knows. We try to do things behind his back. He doesn't have a back. <laughs> he sees everything. He sees everything. We, we try, ah, a little thing. Uh, God knows. Your spouse may not know. Your best friend may not know. Your pastor may not know. Not that I want to know, whatever. But I'm just saying God knows. God knows. It's a personal matter. So let, let's stand together. We're going to wrap this up. At what price peace? At what price peace? Well, the first price is what Jesus did on the cross. Can I tell you, church? Cherish your salvation. Don't take it for granted. Don't think, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, big deal. It's a big deal. There are people in the world today that have never even heard the gospel. And so many have heard it and have rejected it. You're walking with God, cherish the fact that you're walking with God. Romans 5.1. New thoughts. Romans 12.2. Renew your mind. Don't be conformed to the way of the world. You know where that's going to lead you. It's going to lead you down the wrong path, sure enough. But renew your mind faithfully in God. And be obedient to the word, James chapter 1, knowing our obedience brings God's favor and God's blessing on us. All right, let's go. Let's read verse number 9. Can we read it together? The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. That's the word of God. 
That's the word of God. Everyone says, where's God's, where's God? Where's God's peace? Where, where is he? And I say, where are you? Where are you with God? Let's read it again. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. One more time. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Every head bowed for just a moment. I'm not, uh, I'm not so naive to think that there may not be someone here or someone online that needs the first part of this. They need salvation. They, they may, you may know all about the cross. We use this analogy. A lot of people are standing around the cross. And Jesus wants you on the cross so that you could die to your old self and live a resurrected life. Anyone on the live stream, I'll check it out later, but is there anybody here that feels like, you know what, I don't have peace with God. I, I try, but I'm not, I'm not even, I need to receive Jesus. If you're anything like me, how many times did I receive Jesus? Five times over a course of what, eight years? I received him five times. But I really only received him one time, if you know what I mean. Is there anybody here, anyone online that needs to receive Jesus? Amen, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, yes, all right. All right, very good. Thank you. Let's just wait a minute right here. Receiving Jesus. People sometimes criticize the uh, evangelical or Pentecostal churches because it gets emotional. Can I tell you something? It should be the emotional. Your life is changing. You're laying down your old nature. It's got to be emotional. You're dying. It's got to be emotional. Anybody else? I, I, need to, I need to make things right with God. I, I, need to, I, need, I need his peace. I need to surrender my life to his life. Anyone else? Okay, Father God, with those that raise their hands, I, I believe there's a lot of recommitments going on, which is wonderful. Or maybe in my case, I don't even know what I, what I was doing. <laughs> but Lord, so, several are receiving you right now as Lord and Savior. Lord, we all, all of us open up our heart right now and we say, Lord God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need you. I know I need, I need your presence in my life. Forgive me of my sins. I don't feel peace with you, Lord. I feel conviction all the time. I feel like I'm lost. Lord, today I want to settle this whole deal. I want to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I, I do. I open my heart. I invite you to come into my life, oh God. Establish your presence in my heart, in my being, in my mind. And I thank you, Lord, for coming for me. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I wonder if some of us here today are a little hung up on the, on the mind part. Because your mind plays tricks on you. Your mind lies to you. You know what I'm saying. You're thinking of things you shouldn't even be thinking about and you don't even know why you're thinking about them. But my question would be, are you, are you ready to make an effort to renew your mind in Christ? Anyone raise your hand. It's going to take some work on yourself. You, you know, no one could do this for you. You got to do it. I'm still doing it after 46 years, let me tell you. It never stops, really. Father God, in the name of Jesus, your word says so clearly, don't be conformed to this world. Lord, all of us come out of the world. We're conformed to it already. Coming to know you, we're already conformed to a different way. But your word tells us not to be conformed any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, Holy Spirit, come. Lord God, we're going to put our best effort into this, but Lord, we need your enlightenment. We need the Holy Spirit of God to come and change the way we think. Father, I pray that every time we worship together, every time we have Bible study or preaching the word of God, every time we gather, I pray, Lord, there's a sense of your presence that changes our minds. Help us, Lord to receive that.
And lastly, obedience. This is really personal. I wonder if there's anybody here that just wants prayer. Lord, help me to be obedient. I know your word. I know I shouldn't do this, this, and this. Lord, help me. Change me. Help me be obedient. Anyone like that? Father God, your word says there's blessing with obedience. There's favor with obedience. Your word says with disobedience, there's conviction. There's bad feelings. There's unenjoyment in life in disobedience. Lord, why do we do what we do? Paul said it best. What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, that's what I do. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Father, Lord, give us your grace and your mercy. We pray, Lord, that we would be an obedient people. That we would strive to know and understand your word and live a just life for you. Lord, help us to uh, constantly keep our communication open with you. Lord, when you convict us, change us. When you convict us, Lord, give us the unction in our heart to do things right or better the next time. So yes, Lord, what price? The cross, our thoughts, our obedience. Father, I pray for this, for this fellowship. I pray for all those online, all those that will hear this later. Lord, let us be a people of God that are, that are rejoicing and flourishing in your presence. Not because of what we've done, but because of what you've done for us. Let us now do our part to keep that peace. Thank you, Lord. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, I'm going to, let's see. Stacy, could you be available to pray if necessary? Rick Rodriguez, could you have a few minutes? Can you stand and pray with people if, if necessary? Uh, I'm going to go to the door. Uh, Pamela sends her love. If you want to sign up for the picnic, see Alan over there. Uh, Rick, Rick, come over, right over here. And Stacy's here. If you need prayer after what just was said, uh, have someone pray with you before you go. And I'll see you at the door. Hope to see you tonight at 6 o'clock at, uh, at the prayer meeting. Live stream. God bless you. Love you.